analytics managers or as owners of the MarTech ecosystem, you know, we have to care as well. So it's it's also about, you know, of course we should say to ourselves, yeah, let's up our game, but it, only if it's because we're trying to accomplish something and uh, improve something, right? Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. And as I hit record, there's a big bang in the background. Yeah, that's that's my five-year-old. He, uh, I, I, I don't know what he's been watching on the YouTubes, but he has taken all of the uh, pillows off his bed and laid them on the floor, and he's jumping and diving into this pillow thing. Like... <laughs> Is this gymnastics? Is this cliff diving? Like what? What's going on here? And his his room is right above mine. You can't see the light fixture in my room, but every time he jumps, this light fixture, I'm like this is gonna fall, eventually. So that's, that's the big, big that's the big uh, bang sound. So yeah, I have to send you both a video that we got over the weekend. Um, JP likes to put stuff in the trash can, so. I've locked the the part that you lift up the lid to remove the trash can and then the lid to actually or throw out the trash bag. And then the, the other part of the lid is controlled by a foot pedal. So he he couldn't lift it up anymore. Well, all, over the last three weeks, he's gone through a great, bit of a growth spurt. So he's now more at eye level with the trash can. And he's learned to put his nail into the lid, the, the part of the lid that pops up with the foot pedal and lift it up and push it open. So, um, we were at my in-law's house over the weekend and he got into one of the kitchen drawers where my mother-in-law keeps the, the K cups and he'd go over, Next, you know, we noticed after he was doing like four or five of them, he was going over, getting one, walking over to the trash can, opening it up, dropping it in, walking back, grabbing another one. And he knows what he's doing because the minute he gets caught, he just laughs. He's a troublemaker like his dad. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He, he's going to give us a run for our money. That's awesome. It's gonna be great. Oh, yeah, it, it already sounds like it is. Oh yeah, it it, it, it it's fun. So um, so yeah, we're 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 at that part right now where we basically have to look at the trash bag every time we go to throw throw it out. Is so, my cell phone in there? Is the TV remote in there? <laughs> well, we swear he threw out one of his sneakers. Um, about two <laughs> months ago, one of his sneakers went missing, and it was right before we realized that he had learned how to lift up the trash can. And like three days went by and we're like ripping the house apart, looking for this, the one sneaker. We're like, where is it? Where is it? Could we've lost it here? Could we've lost it there? And then we caught him throwing stuff in there. I'm like, oh God, did he actually throw it out? And we didn't see it when we just you know, took the bag out. And so we think he threw out one of his sneakers. So we had to run out and get him new, new sneakers. That's great. Maybe he didn't like them. And that was his way of saying like, well, I don't have shoes, so I don't know where they went. You're yeah. going to have to go get me something new. I prefer yeah. the Jordan ones, you know. Um, so. well, well, he's not quite there yet. 
That's awesome. Awesome. Well, what? Uh, I'm super conscious about my audio quality now. I hope. Uh, I hope it's better. Uh -oh. I don't have my Yeti today, so my no. You sound fine. Airplane. I mean, oh, and we okay. and we got your dog freaking out in the background. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just last week. There was some popping noise in the background, but I'm not hearing anything at the moment. So hopefully, uh, it'll turn out better. Than I think there was else. I think there was something weird happening with my AirPods trying to bounce back and forth. I I don't know why that would mess with the audio quality, but it, I definitely heard weird stuff on my end. So hopefully, listeners, it is. A better experience this week. Although last week's content with Eric was awesome. It was a good, yeah, it uh, is. good interview there. Yeah, and I want to get him back on again and uh, you know schedule an episode with he and Jen because I think that 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 would be a really good episode. The two of them talking about data quality. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Agreed. So. I thought, you well, know, actually, before we actually jump in, I, you know, I, I'm remiss to say Hila is back with us uh, on the podcast. It's, uh, it's been a while. Yep. No, I'm excited to be back. Thank you for the six-hour notice last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yesterday got away from me, and next thing I know, it was like 9 o'clock at night. I'm like, crap, I, even, I haven't sent out all the details for the episode, and why not Let's see if Hila can join us for, for one. So thank you for joining. <laughs> We'll see how well I do with no prep time at all. But that, that's, that's how we do it, right? We yeah, just kind we, of we random things, we, random we thoughts. Rarely, we rarely prep, so. Yeah. But uh, good. but ta you know, talking about throwing stuff at the wall, um, this has been an item or topic that's been in my backlog for for a little while, and I think it's a great follow-on to the one. That we uh, to the conversation we had with Eric last week, and it, you know I'm I'm calling it you know the proper ratio of people, technology, and strategy. So we've touched on this you know here and there, but we've never really focused purely on this. And uh, when we've ever, when we brought it up, we've always it, it's been in the context of an article that Avinash published uh, back in 2006. His um, his ninety ten rule for success in in web analytics. So we we've referenced this as well. I'll put the link in in, in the show notes, and I'm going to paraphrase it. But what he said is, for every ten dollars a company has spent on analytics technology, they should spend ninety dollars on people to to use it. Um, his argument is, or well, at the time was, that while companies had you know, quote unquote, great investments in analytics, they struggled to use it uh, to make meaningful decisions. And, you know, he saw the cause as being that all of that investment was made in the technology and not those that actually would would run it. Um, and all these years later, you know, 14 years later, we still see this with, with, with many companies. A good amount of money is spent on technology and the teams that use it are are overwhelmed and, and stretched thin. So why is that? Like, I mean, if if people have talked about what the actual solution is, why 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 do we still see that? So, and I think this aligns well with my LinkedIn post where I kind of took some of the SaaS vendors to task for I think being part of this this problem. Uh, I, I don't know if Avinash's um, equation is realistic, only because I've never seen any company get anywhere close to that. Um, so, 
I don't know if it's realistic or not, but there, there definitely is an issue and it seems to be very ubiquitous that companies are much more willing to spend on tech than they are on experts to, to run the tech. And, and I want to stay away from saying just people because I think they are more willing to, to hire and throw the work at, at people, um, but they, they often uh, are shying away from investing in the right people to run the technology. And, and there are probably various reasons for why that is happening. Um, but I will say that I, I referenced this article back in 2006, 2007, right around when he published it, when I was at Spark Networks and I was a team of one trying to run all of the analytics and optimization practice for the company. Clearly, I didn't get anywhere. I, I had some dotted lines. He was doing rogue work behind the scenes, but I wasn't able to get anyone on my team. I, I had to kind of do it all myself. And we've seen that happen uh, almost with every major brand that we've worked with. Uh, over the years is th think about the size of the teams we've worked with. It's oftentimes a one person shop. Um, some of these larger multi, multi-billion dollar companies maybe have three or four people, but nowhere near enough to, to run the technology. I don't know, swan dive off the bed. I don't know, um, <laughs> it's loud, right? Yeah. I don't know, um, if there's a singular answer that explains it, but I will kick it off by saying, I believe that the SaaS vendors um, have a big responsibility or, or are largely responsible for this. And the reason I say that is, think about every marketing technology tool you've heard pitched. The messaging might be different, the actual words, but the underlying message is always the same. It's really easy. It's a magic tag. You just copy and paste this snippet of code onto your site and it just works. And that ends up selling a lot of software licenses. Um, it also sells a lot of false hope to organizations that buy into that lie and then a year or two down the road are wondering how the hell did we get into this predicament, yet they're so deep down the rabbit hole they can't see to make the right decision to say, well, it's going to take some people because that would mean that they have to say that they were duped, they were fooled, right? That it isn't so easy. It isn't just slap some code on a page and reference a JavaScript file and all of a sudden everything just works. It's, it's a lot more complicated than that. And I think it's okay. In fact, I, I believe it's important for us to admit that this is really hard and it takes dedicated, uh, experienced people to, to make this work. So I'm going to ask a really dumb question, but you know, for the 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 point of, of continuing the conversation, um, you know, at, at this point, you know, after companies have done that a couple times, right? You know, they 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 do it once, and they don't invest enough in the right people to make it work. It fails, so they blame the tool. They buy a new vendor. They do it again. After two, three, four times, why haven't people noticed the pattern that it's maybe not the tools, it's not the vendor, it's their process to actually integrate it, manage it, and use it? No one stays at companies long enough to be able to see that history. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, so oftentimes when you see these changes, an advocate for one solution leaves the company, someone else steps into that role, they bring their own set of ideologies and software that they 
want to use, they see that it's broken and they instantly blame the software. So I'm gonna replace it with the software that I've liked before and it's just gonna magically fix things. And it doesn't. And then they leave and then someone comes out, comes in and says, this is broken. I'm gonna add new software to fix the problem. So I, I think I think a big driver of it is people don't stay in jobs long enough to see that history. They move on. And part of moving on is people like to replicate what they've done before. I, I talked about this in a talk I gave at one of the Observe Point conferences where um, I talk about executives getting into this um, zone where they just like to replicate what they did before. And I'm sure you guys have heard these conversations. My favorite one was, again, back to Spark Networks. One of the, uh, the C-level folks came to me and said, we're, we're putting Crazy Egg on the site next week. I said, okay, that's cool, um, Mr. Analytics Manager, that you're not and I am, but why are we making this decision? What, what are we doing? Well, I went to lunch with a buddy who's a CEO over at this other company and they just, they just deployed crazy egg and they're excited about it. So now we're going to do it. Right? Like how many times have you heard? Well, in my last company, we did this. I'm like, well, you're, you're, you're working for an airline now and your last company you worked in retail. Right? But we, damn it. I'm going to say right every time. Okay. Stop me from saying that. Um, so a, a big part of it is just trying to replicate what we did before and that, that feeling of safety. Um, and a big part of it is just not sticking around long enough to, to appreciate the history, blaming the software, thinking software is gonna fix it, and it doesn't. And we just, we just keep this vicious cycle going over and over again. At some point, someone needs to step in and say, this isn't a software problem, this is a people problem. We need to address it there and fix it and maybe start making some little waves of influence. But until then, I just can't see this vicious cycle stopping where we just, software is the solution, throw more money at software and eventually one day it will just magically start working. Yeah, and I was, I was thinking about what you said uh, before about the vendor, you know, having the responsibility and so on and kind of saying it's easy. I think that's definitely perpetuated when companies are really excited about new capabilities that are being offered from these tools, but they're not understanding the complexities that come along with it. And with um, with kind of, and I know you hate when I say standing it up, but you know, the complexities of what it takes to stand a new capability out um, and to actually use it the way that the vendor is featuring it. So it's really exciting to know of, of new capabilities, um, but you know, it's, it's really hard to recognize what are the steps to actually getting there. And then, and then be honest about the fact that maybe the people you have have never, you know, have never gone through that journey, right? So, you know, do you need to hire someone um, or do you need to kind of challenge your analytics manager to kind of learn how to deal with those complexities um, as opposed to just saying, well, it didn't work, you know, it didn't work because uh, the work wasn't put into to kind of implement it properly. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting take. And, and by the way, don't feel too bad because I've started using stand up now. So I, I oh use my that god, my, yeah, I use that in my, my language. We're gonna we're gonna stand yeah. that up. Um, it it's an interesting insight and um, one I hadn't really thought about before. But I 
it makes a lot of sense. And I'm wondering, is that an employee problem? Is that a management problem? Where, where does that, where does that problem originate from? And I, I believe what I heard you say is, and maybe I'm reading too much into what you're saying, but what I heard you say was, we're not, we're not forcing employees to do hard things or we're not holding employees accountable to do their job. And instead of asking them to do hard things, we shy away from that conversation and say, well, let's just buy more software and that will fix the problem. And maybe that's reading too much into what you're saying, but, and I've referenced this many, many times and I still don't know the official name of it or who, or who puts it out, but we're all familiar with that. Sorry, I'm bouncing the camera. Or maybe that's the upstairs bouncing the camera. Uh, we're all familiar with that um, that one sheet slide that has the all the marketing technologies mapped out into their different verticals and how there's like 90,000 different solutions on that slide and like more get added. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the, the Lumascape. I don't know what it's called, but it, it's just got so many logos plastered all over it of all the different MarTech solutions that you can't even make sense of it. And I, I go back to when I first started at Omniture and I was working with really, really large brands and looking at their MarTech stack and it was four or five, maybe, you know, we were adding an analytics solution into an email platform, into a CMS, into maybe a paid search um, platform. And that was about it, maybe a survey. Um, but now think about the, the companies that we have the opportunity to look at. And, and in fact, anyone can do this, go out to any website and just open up a, a console and look at the network calls of all of the different things going out or use like a plugin like Ghostery or something. And there's like 50 or 60 different MarTech solutions on a single page, all doing a little niche thing. And I think part of it is that to Tequila's point, like we haven't really um, forced or maybe empowered or there's a failure somewhere to actually get the value out of these platforms from a people perspective. And so instead of turning that back around and saying, well, maybe we have the wrong people, maybe we need to invest more in training, maybe we need to um, have higher expectations of our team, uh, well, let's just throw in another niche solution into this little gap and then it will just be better. You know, so now we have a specific thing that manages and tracks our forms and one that tracks clicks and another that does session replay and something else that tracks scroll depth and something else and it's like more and more, let's just throw more technology at it and then it's like, throwing it all into a witch's cauldron, stirring it up and saying, let's pull something magical out of it. No one has made it work yet, yet we continue to try to make it happen. It's odd to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think a lot of the time, there's all, always this sense of like, okay, let's start with like a light version of this tool or this capability, kind of a proof of concept, and let's let's make it more robust later. And often that doesn't happen because you still have to challenge yourself to say, you know, what does it take to, to build it properly and to import the data properly and to vet out the data that it's correct and and to say, no, it's not correct. What did we do wrong? And and all the resource um, resources that would be associated with, with doing such a thing, you know, uh, not just for standing it up, but to your point, you know, then using it, you know, now that we've kind of built it, maybe, maybe we've, we've done it correctly, or maybe we've done it kind of proof of concept approach, but who's using it? How are they using it? Are they interpreting, interpreting the data correctly? Are they talking to the vendor to make sure that they understood 
how to you know feed additional information in and that it's updated you know yeah on an ongoing basis or whatever it may be right mm -hmm. and so yeah and i and mm -hmm. i think the more we talk about it the more it starts to maybe make more sense to me that this is a problem of and i've always described it as uh, digital um, being at the kids table in the organizations and 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 this is a big part of it is that and specifically in our world digital analytics often doesn't sit at the c-suite the, there's no ownership at that level and so add that into high turnover in this area there's no there's no keeper of it there's no one setting a, a corporate vision for how we're using our martech solutions and so when someone leaves that that leaves with them and because there's no ownership and sponsorship and buy-in from the c level it just it just fades away and and you know, it, it makes sense. It, it, it makes sense that, that that happens. In fact, I was laughing, Jim, you caught me kind of giggling to myself. Uh, as Hila was talking, I was thinking about a company where I looked at their site code and I saw Google Analytics deployed on the page, Google Analytics deployed through Google Tag Manager, Core Metrics, um, Adobe Analytics, and I want to say one other uh, digital analytics tool. I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? And, and I finally asked around, I'm like, well, I don't know, but this was deployed by this person who left like two years ago. And we think Core Metrics was deployed by this other guy, but he left like three years ago. It's all still there. And again, I think it speaks volumes to the fact that there's no ownership at a high enough level to make any kind of strategic changes to say, well, let's clean this up. Let's do this the right way. It all left with that person. The new person comes in and assumes it and slaps their their brand on top of it. And you keep kind of, you know, applying uh, duct tape to this thing that's falling apart until one day, like this is going to all come crashing down at some point, I'm guessing. It, it's like, um, I think the underlying part that keeps this going is some sort of perpetual knowledge gap and i don't mean it in a negative way i just mean that you know everybody has a role and if you're a director or a vp you're not going to know all the intricacies of what it takes to you know add this very complex capability and you know how to um you know you know what what needs to get done and i think that by just saying okay well let's just use it in the in the form that it is today let's not you know but um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't you think that that knowledge gap is driven by the fact that analytics isn't sitting high enough in the organization i i agree with you i i we 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 see this and, and again i i believe that the statistics were something about um 18 months or something the average tenure for an analytics manager or someone in a digital analytics mm -hmm. role, the turnover is extremely high. And because we don't have any ownership above that level, we take two steps back anytime someone leaves because there's no, there's no knowledge. It's all in that person's head. You know, very rarely is it documented, is it shared wider True. throughout the organization. And because there's no higher buy-in, that person leaves. And now we're two years backwards because someone else comes in, we have to we relearn all those lessons. And so, you know, we've been really critical of a lot of the conferences in our space having conversations about the same topic every year. And we kind of made a joke about it. It's like, oh, you don't need to go to that conference because if you went back in 2008, you heard everything they're going to talk about in 2018. And it was true. 
But to be fair, that conversation needed to keep happening happen because we are we are not progressing because the short tenure is resulting in taking a huge step back and we're constantly relearning the mistakes we made in the past. So we can't be innovating and moving forward because we're constantly taking two steps backward for every one step we take forward. And I think a huge portion of that, the blame of that lies directly on the fact that digital analytics does not have ownership at a high enough level in most organizations. I think if you put That's someone a at a senior VP, C-suite level in charge of analytics, it solves a lot of these problems that we're talking about today and many more. So I think we're saying there's a few components here that create this problem. Uh, one is that vendors do a great job at making all their capabilities and complexity seem like it's an easy thing and it seems like everything could be approached as a proof of concept. Um, and, you know, that's creating this, this kind of sense of like, oh, I'm just going to turn it on, put one line of code or, you know, create this one upload of data sets and it's going to work. Yeah. This, the second part is what you're talking about is analytics not really having a seat at the table to, you know, to kind of put their foot down and say, you know, this is important. We need to do it right and so on. And I need resources for this. I need more people. I need these kind of skill sets. Um, no, you're, you're, you're right. In fact, I was talking to, um, a prospect the other day and, um, I could tell he'd been around the, the industry for a while. Cause we talked about, um, doing a proper implementation, but him having limited budget and, and he said something. So if you don't really think about a data strategy and put a data layer in what, what are you left with? Like scraping the page? I said, yeah, that's right. But let me tell you why that's really dangerous because everyone recognizes it's dangerous and says, but we just need to do this to get this out the door to prove that this analytics uh, program has value and then we'll go back and do it right. How many have actually gone back and back and done it right? Maybe less than 10% because it becomes a slippery slope. You do it once and mm -hmm. we, we kind of hedge and say, well, it's just for a proof of concept. All of a sudden it becomes reality and we never go back and do it the right way. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if because of that, we've, we've kind of um, handcuffed ourselves because we've, we've made those decisions. We, we've kind of uh, limited the value that we can generate. And I'm wondering if that plays into the whole budget conversation. So if executives that don't have a vested interest in analytics are seeing organizations struggle to prove value with analytics and saying, well, why, why should we give these guys more money to go hire more people? They can't, they can't do anything with what they have right now. Are we hurting ourselves by making some of these decisions? I, I wonder if, if maybe less is more, you know, we, we do less, but we create more value. If that gives us an opportunity to then get more budget and get more people, I don't know. It's something interesting to think about. So before we talk about how do we potentially solve for this, I think, you know, there's definitely kind of the outcome of all of this is that we end up with kind of a piecemeal implementation or MarTech ecosystem where some things were attached but not fully loaded and or maybe fully loaded but incorrectly. And so we're creating all this like technical debt uh, now um, in our ecosystem that because of high 
turnover and and other reasons, um, it'll never be repaired or, you know, it's very challenging to repair. Um, and then, you know, we end up with one, a resource gap, because looking back at it, maybe you want to do the right thing and you want to go back and revisit things, but you just don't have the resources at that point because you never kind of mapped it out that you would need them in the first place because you approached everything as a kind of piecemeal approach. And then, but more importantly, regarding having a seat at the table, I think that most executives would have like a bad taste out of all of it. Like, hey, we invested in this one tool and we tried it out and it looked great, but here we are today. It made no difference for the business, you know, a year later, two years later. And so I think it's it's a kind of a little bit of um, damage control at this point to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna realign. I'm gonna um, realign expectations, have a new conversation about what needs to get done. And, and, and it's a, you know, it's definitely a tough, tough, tough thing to do, but it's, it's something that I see everywhere. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not like a, a rare setup. You know what I mean? No, I, I do. And I agree. Um, but I think as part of that discussion, we have to fix the underlying problem, which I think is lack of, um, buy-in lack of leadership. Um, at a high enough level in the organization. A lot of what you're talking about is the direct result of lack of ownership at the C-suite level. Because just look at a, a, you know, a common setup. Oftentimes you have your MarTech developers, architects, they may sit in IT. You may have an analyst that sits in marketing. You may have another organization that optimization rolls up third-party marketing tags probably roll up through some other marketing arm. My gosh, I got it. Um, and so what happens is you have this very spaghetti, disconnected uh, MarTech ecosystem. It creates a lot of unnecessary infighting, a lot of unnecessary politics. And to go back and unravel this and fix it without executive support and buy-in is, I would say, impossible. And so I get that at the executive layer, they're upset. They invested a lot of money in solutions, don't feel like they're getting the value out of it, which I 100% agree with them. I think yeah. we're absolutely not generating the value that these tools can. Um, there are very few organizations that are getting, I don't wanna say they're not getting value out of it because I think a lot of organizations are, but they're leaving a lot of money on the table because there's so much more that they can get out of it but until they fix this underlying structural problem within the organizations, they're always going to be hamstrung. They're always going to be held back on what they can ultimately do. And I think at the executive level, some of the blame needs to lie there that they have not made the proper decisions to um, give this the weight and support at a high enough level in the organization. They need to swallow their pride a little bit and say, yeah, we invested a lot. It didn't produce value. Part of that is on us for not putting leadership in the right level of the hierarchy. We're going to fix that now. And if it breaks again and doesn't work, then we have another problem. But until we remove that barrier of putting analytics high enough in the hierarchy of the organization, we can try to fix it all we want, but it's going to be like putting wet mud on wet mud at the beach, you know, like it's just going to keep falling down. Like there's no structural support there to keep it up. It's almost, almost foolish to keep dumping more resources into it because there's no structure to keep it um, in place.
All right, so how do we, um, what are some things that can solve for this? Um, so I think there are a few things. Number one, we need help from our, um, our solution provider counterparts. Uh, and that's gonna be hard to do because I don't blame the product organizations. I really don't br blame product marketing, I blame sales. You know, these, these sales people they get in, or get in often don't care. They care about their paycheck and hitting their quota this quarter, and they're gonna lie and and tell you whatever you need to hear so you buy the software because you know what? They're gonna be off this account in six months anyway. We need to fix that. We need to hold these organizations accountable, and if we can't hold the sales organizations accountable, we need to hold the uh, companies that they represent accountable um, for for living up to the promises that they're making. It's not good enough. We we shouldn't we shouldn't accept the fact that we're told blatant outright outright lies from sales organizations. We need to we need to change that and we need to hold them accountable. Uh, because until that happens, we're we're constantly setting the wrong expectation at the very start. So it needs to be fixed there. We need we need companies um, that are in this space to be a good counterpart because it's best for all of us from a sustainability. This model isn't sustainable. Eventually, this will come crashing down on all of them. So if they're interested in anything beyond this quarter's results, they need to be a counterpart in helping us fix that. Number two, as a analytics, and let's just talk specifically about analytics, we need to hold ourselves accountable for upping our game. We're, we're way too comfortable being where we're at. We're way too comfortable not having a seat at the table. We're way too comfortable bouncing from organization to organization, rebuilding it in our own image. Um, that isn't sustainable either. And, and, I, and I think COVID is starting to shine a spotlight on that, where we've seen organizations finally put their foot down and say, well, wait a minute, maybe we aren't getting value out of analytics. Maybe we should just cut our losses and, and run. And you know, part of it again, they're they're right. They they haven't got what they need, and 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 we're to blame for that as a as a community. Uh, we've been far too comfortable for far too long, not pushing what we can do, uh, and that needs to change. Um, and then third, in in organizations, we need people in areas of influence, specifically higher up in the organization, uh, to value analytics or don't invest in it or don't invest in martech solutions at all they need to value it and by valuing it we need to figure out where this rolls up and we need to put someone at at least a senior vp level probably higher in the organizations that ultimately own it and set the strategy and vision for it we no longer can put this all on the shoulders of a web analytics manager or a director of digital analytics it's not good enough anymore i like i like those two and i have a third one but those two um, ways to, 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 to help solve for this are basically centered around caring. You know, I think the vendor, the solution provider needs to care what it takes to actually manifest what they're selling. Um, and it could be as simple as offering, you know, kind of frameworks and vehicles for the, for the, whoever's, you know, for the client that's buying it, for the company that's buying the solution or the capability or buying into, you know, standing it up, um, what will it take from an execution perspective? What does the journey look like? And how many people, you know, what resources do I need to kind of find 
um, on my end to to make it happen. And I think that's simple enough to do as opposed to selling the capability or the the, the tool and then expecting that you know the, the 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 analytics manager or whatnot would would on their own kind of know what it takes uh, to build yeah. it or or for them to invest now in, in in some sort of consultant helping them understand what it would take like how do we do this and um, and it's not fair so I think you know the vendors need to care a little bit more and just offer that upfront kind of vehicle of how how do you get there here's the investment on top of the investment right and then for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, the, yeah, the other part you were talking about of how we need to care as analysts or as analytics managers or as owners of the MarTech ecosystem, you know, we have to care as well. So it's it's also about, you know, of course, we should say to ourselves, yeah, let's up our game, but only if it's because we're trying to accomplish something and uh, improve something, right? It's not just simply saying yeah i'll get more training it's like i care about this piece of um the ecosystem and i want to do it correctly and this is what i need to invest you know for myself from the conversations that i have with my boss uh to to make it clear that the investment needs to be there so yeah so so let me let me respond to to both of those because i think we can continue that conversation out a little bit on on the vendor side, I, I fully agree with you. For for good or bad, I, I, I believe that they're at a crossroads and their hand is going to be forced whether they like it or not. Um, COVID is going to reveal this and a lot of these major enterprise um, players and vendors in this space are not gonna hit their numbers. Uh, their renewals are gonna be horrific. Uh, adding in new logos right now is going to be horrific and they're gonna have to you know, make some some very real decisions about why that is the case. And it's not just because companies are cutting spend. If if they were truly providing the value they promised, this would be the last thing that's cut. We've seen in many, many organizations, it's the first thing that is cut. And if that is not ringing in the ears of every executive at Google, at Adobe, at all of these players in the space, then they're going to be in serious, serious trouble. And maybe they don't care because maybe they have golden parachutes and they don't care. But someone in that organization and those organizations should care because they're going to see a real falling out happening very, very quickly if they haven't seen it already. And the way to address it is they've got to have that conversation that you mentioned and say, we have to do better. We have to be better partners. We have to help make sure that um, our, our clients are realizing value. And speaking from, from our industry standpoint, unfortunately, the vendors see their services arm as a revenue generator. So Adobe sells crappy consulting to generate more revenue for the company. It's a huge missed opportunity to use that services arm as an, an opportunity to position their clients to get value. It begets more money, like it's going to generate more money, but they can't see it. They're so short-sighted and trying to hit quarterly goals that they can't see it, and it's going to bite them in the ass really, really soon. On on the analyst web analytics manager side, we need to grow a backbone. We we need to we need to stand up. We need to not get pushed around so much. You know, we 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 tend to be. Um, pretty timid in this space. We, we talk tough, but we don't act too tough. And we know what needs to happen, 
but anytime we bring it up in a meeting, we go to our executives, we try to lay the case for it, we we cower, we we crumble to whatever finance is saying, we get scared at whatever, whoever is throwing a wrench in our plans. If if we want this to be a valuable career for us long into the future and for those that are coming after us, we've got to grow a backbone and start fighting for what is right because, and I'm guilty of this just as anybody else, we can't just say it once and then go complain about it on our forums that we aren't getting investment. We're, we're the ones that are going to have to make it happen. If, if the CEOs, if the VPs of technology, if they're not going to stand up and make it happen, then we're going to have to make it happen at, at a grassroots level. And that's going to be hard and painful, but we really don't have any other choice. I am, I am like in a bad mood today. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Um, so to take it back to where we started with quoting Avinash's article from, from 2006, giving his ratio for technology to people for, for success, what would you say would be the proper ratio of technology to strategy to people? Um, you know, because sometimes just throwing, you know, just throwing resources, like to your point earlier, it's not just throwing, you know, people at it, it's throwing the right people, but then also having a strategy behind it. So, yeah. you know, gut, gut feel, what, what do you think is the proper ratio of technology to I, strategy to people? I don't know what the, the proper ratio is. I, mm -hmm. I would say right now strategy is near zero. So any change there is going to be a change. And, mm -hmm. and maybe that's a bit unfair, but the reason I say that is because Again, most of the ownership lies at the manager, maybe director level, and that's not good enough. That strategy needs to come from higher in the organization. So I would say anything we add there is going to change the equation because it's, it's pretty minimal at, at this point. Um, from a people perspective, again, I don't know what the right ratio is, but what I would argue is that people should be the driver and not technology. Right now, it's like the tail wagging the dog. We buy technology and we have that inform what our processes are, what our people are, what our, who we hire, and that's the wrong way to look at it. We should be hiring smart data people that have strategy that can align with strategy at the highest levels of the organization, and from that inform the technology layer. Um, but all too often, that's not the case. All too often, it's we buy a suite off the off the shelf and now that informs everything we do and just look at it we go out and hire based on the tools we've selected it's such a weird paradigm to me we need to go out and hire really smart people that are transforming the business and then bending the technology to our will to make it work right now it's it's absolutely the other other way around so that's kind of dodging the question because i don't know the ratio <laughs> it's something much higher than it is today but I think we need to flip the equation to where we hire the right people and then align the technology to that. Yeah. And I don't think it's dodging the question because it's, it'll be the second time in the last six hours I put somebody on the spot. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I thought it'd be a good question and start wrapping it up. I have something actually, um, because Jason and I several months ago had a really deep, actually maybe even a year ago. I don't know. I think I was uh, visiting, um, Jason in Utah, and we talked about not just the sense of like what the composition should be from a percent perspective uh, on strategy, but then how to take it and flip it, right? So we talked about two models 
Uh, and we, we were talking in this in the context of an implementation model to implement, you know, um, analytics uh, within an organization. And we were kind of observing a, a use case scenario where um, we called it brute force data strategy. Well, basically, the this the implementation is low level of effort. It's kind of like, oh, easy. We add the code, whatnot. We it's built in isolation from the business and and the analyst. So you know, you 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 have someone kind of implement the code um, to to do the data collection. It's owned purely by the Martech team in isolation and maybe even there's no architect. So someone is just executing on in implementing it. And what we end up, and I think that's what we're talking about today, what we end up in the scenario, it's kind of like the, the, 20, the 2080 rule, we called it. So 20, you know, 20% uh, effort on, on this uh, kind of brute force application of the implementation. And then we, we result in, sure, we have less upfront dev investment, um, uh, faster time to market and so on. But what we end up with is huge, you know, that's the 80%, you know, technical debt, 80% uh, data prep, which was the most important thing. So our, the analysts, our analysts end up paying the price, right? So if I have that's right. rinky dink data or data that's sometimes there, sometimes not there, or not on every authentication and what whatever not, um, the analyst has to spend 80% of their time now scrubbing data, data wrangling. Um, you need more experienced analysts to deal with this data. So now you're investing in higher, you know, um, more experience, you know, higher um, salary talent and, and so on. Um, there's less trust in data by executives, which we talked about already, and less likely to really reap the benefits, which is, you know, identify an optimization opportunity for the experience because you just don't trust the data and it takes a lot to get any kind of insight out of it. So this 2080 composition, if flipped uh, and you put 80% 80, 80 or even we were talking about 95%, you know, into a deliberate data strategy where implementation is really thought out and you give it the time that it needs, you build it in consideration of, of the data that you're going to need to use, not just, you know, collecting everything. Um, and it's really owned by the analytics team, not by <clears throat> MarTech necessarily in isolation. I think um, now you end up with the opposite. You, you end up with the 80-20 uh, where now the analyst is so easy for them because the data is trusted. They can easily, you know, aggregate and de-aggregate um, data and, and pull the insights much, much easier. Um, and now we can focus on, the experienced analyst can focus on deeper analysis. Uh, and the inexperienced analyst or a marketing executive can now approach the data as well, right? Or before it was like, no, 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 I need to scrub it for you. Now you can approach the data. Anyone can approach the data. So now you're you're opening and unlocking the real value. And I think that's what needs to happen. Like this flipping of 
let's invest 80%, 95% in our implementation, and then we're creating a, a 5% effort, you know, or whatnot. Um, you're you're for, opening up a animals. whole can of worms of like part two of this discussion, because it is an interesting, mm. it is an interesting discussion. And I, I agree with you. And I've been trying to talk with anyone who will listen to me about that is the promise of digital analytics because it is vastly different than traditional analytics. To your point, traditional analytics as an analyst, I, I set aside 70 to 80% of my time to clean, munge, wrangle, realign, mm-hmm. organize data. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of time. Digital analytics gave us the promise of reducing that drastically. So if we really want to look at this and say, we want to do more with less people, that's awesome. But we need to change the focus to actually using digital analytics for what it was meant for, because the way we've invested today, we're treating digital analytics like traditional analytics. We're forcing the analyst to do massive amounts of prep work. Um, and then we're not happy because we're paying massive subscription fees for these solutions that are supposed to take that away from us. That's an interesting angle. And we could probably have a whole hour discussion on, on that alone. We really should. We really should. I'm making notes. I'll I'll (laughs) schedule it. I'll make sure to give you more than a day's notice. (laughs) So I would say it's an 80, 20, but truly an 80, 20 flipped, right? So, you know, 80%, I'm kind of saying it backwards to what we're talking about. You know, I'm saying upfront, put 80% of the effort to uh, building your implementation or implementing the capabilities together as a partnership with the analytics team and correctly. And you invest a lot in in the technical resources, but then you're you're kind of, you're not completely done. You obviously need to maintain it, but you know, you're almost done because now you can, uh, your analysts are free to uh, to use the tool in a very powerful way. And you're widening your talent pool now because you don't need super experienced analysts to, to wrangle the data. You can have, you know, a, a team of analysts just comfortably approach the data. And so I think, yeah, you know, it's an 80-20, but 80 upfront implementation and 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 in order to make that work and i'm going to use this as an opportunity to give one more sucker punch to executives in order to make that work analytics needs to be sitting higher in the organization because what's happening now is Mm -hmm. all of those implementation like that strategy needs to be set at an executive level it's not and because it isn't you have you have implementation and dev almost in opposition to the analyst sure they're supporting each other but they're they're peers and that that strategy is trying to be set in one organization or another and it rarely works in order to get what you're saying to work that strategy that decision needs to come at a higher level and needs to align the implementer needs to align the analyst needs to align the optimization teams and until that happens it's going to be really difficult to make that work that's right. And I, I think your point is also kind of suggesting that it's ongoing. Anytime you have a new capability or a new vendor that says, oh, if you wire this in, you'll not be able to see session recording uh, tied to your analytics surveys or whatever. Um, again, you have to say, okay, what's the 80% effort that we're going to have to invest right now to build that, wire it in, make sure the data is correct, create an automated feed daily, nightly feed with our developers, how much of their time is going to be carved out and so on. 
so that our analysts can do all this cool stuff that the vendor sold us on. Um, yeah. And I think that it happens over and over again. So to your point, unless you have a seat at the table where you could say, okay, we're gonna, you know, here's the real investment and here's the real journey to be mapped. Uh, unless you're, you're, you're able to say that, uh, then it's, it's, it's difficult because um, stakeholders and, and are always, executives are always going to push like, oh, let's just, let's just do like the phase one version of this. And, you know, let's just try it out. And, um, you know, there's no kind yeah. of respect for the journey, I would say, or cognizant yeah. of the journey at least. Yep. All right. So it sounds like vendors stop hurting us. You're, you're hurting us and we need you to be a partner with us. Uh, company executives get a lot smarter when it comes to analytics and elevate it within your organization. It, it's a critical step that needs to happen. And analysts, implementers, grow a backbone. We need your help to better position analytics in our organizations. Hila didn't prep, and this turned out to be an awesome conversation. So I don't, know what, the, I don't know what the initial worry was here. <laughs> And I think we've got notes, you know, we've got the start of a great um, follow up conversation. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to tease that out a bit and um, we'll, we'll get that one on the books too. Awesome. That was good stuff. Yeah, it was really good. Sorry, this is edgy Jason today. I usually <laughs> not so edgy. Maybe it's good content. I don't know. Right. You saved me some of the work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up for there for, uh, at that point. So thank you both, you know, today, and you know, we'll, we'll catch everybody later. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thirty Three Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.